I'm Lissa Mia Smith. And I'm Anna Mercier. And you're listening to Turning to Story. As writers, we've experienced the triumphs and heartbreaks of the publishing industry, from endless rejection to dream book deals. Through it all, we've learned to embrace the one thing in this chaotic industry we can always control. Our craft. I think you should go see a doctor. <laughs> we'll see. I'm on deadline, Anna. Or maybe you're like, on deadline. Maybe you're just entering your vampire era. We don't know. Ooh. That's well, the that thing. Would, that would be great for me. Twilight was on the brain a lot, so. Mm. Yeah, that's that what's would happening. be good for me. I would, I would do well as a vampire. I'd be gentle. This is the face of a... Gentle lover. This is the face of a killer. This is the face of a killer. This is the podcast of a killer. This is the podcast of a of a troll killer. <laughs> Let's talk about writing. <laughs> and how it's gonna make a stupid ass joke. I'm done now. Well, stupid ass jokes aside, I did want to check in on yeah. us and our deliberate practice because this is what is this. Episode five or six or something. I don't know where we're at. Yeah. Numbers. But yeah, just, ooh, that was a face. No. So checking, just a check-in in general, both where you're at rating-wise and with your creative health, let's call it. I, I like love that. it. Yeah. Um, I like that we're doing this. Okay, so for me, edits are coming hopefully tomorrow. Whoa. Yeah, that's that face. That was that oh. face. Um, so edits should be coming tomorrow or Saturday. May the odds um, be ever in your favor. I'm very nervous and very scared. So, like, I oscillate between, like, I opened, I, I made a mistake. I opened my book this week because I was like, I'll just read it before I get these notes because they're going to be line edits. And I was like, I'll just read it one more time. And then I started reading the first chapter, which is apropos for our discussion today. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is the most boring thing I've ever read in my entire fucking life. And then I immediately closed it. Oh, um, no. <laughs> yep. So I was like, all right, cool. Can, we, can I tell you a secret? Yep. It's only boring because you've read it a hundred times. I, that's, I, I, told, I told myself that's the truth. Do I believe it? Jury's still out. Um, head in the heart, right? Yeah. Your head it, might know it. Your heart's singing. Liar. Right? Right. Yours terrible. It's cruel. <laughs> this is the worst thing ever. Your ass is going to be dropped tomorrow. <laughs> like it's going to. it's letting you go. Like, I hate it so much. <laughs> Why are we using this voice, Anna? <laughs> <laughs> because this is the what voice of did? my nightmare. <laughs> this is the voice of a killer, Anna. <laughs> this is the voice of a killer. Thank you very much. I'm going to live with that forever. <laughs> we'll just throw as many Twilight references as we can. We'll just use that line until Gosh, people ask us we, to stop. What if we just did a Twilight rewatch with everybody who listened to this podcast? <laughs> I would do that with A number everyone. of people, we're skipping around a little bit, and I want to come back to your edits, but a number of people have DM'd us and had book suggestions for us to analyze a book on the podcast. For Remember real? we mentioned, yeah, we mentioned it and they're like, oh, maybe we should do that. And we're like, oh, maybe season two. And a number of people have been like, if you do it, you should do this book. I would totally be down for this book or that book. Holy shit. Yeah. I love people. Thanks. Yep. Thanks for yeah. taking our one-off suggestion idea. That Anna and- doesn't remember making. <laughs> I love 
love it. I yeah, love when we should keep make it in mind. A reality. We should keep okay, it in mind. send me those yeah. and let's do it. I I'll will. do it. I'll read a thing. Um, so get those edits tomorrow or Saturday, like at the end of this week, and then after that, it's the big thing, hopefully. Um, and the big thing I'm very scared about that I don't even want to name. Like I can't name it because then it'll be real and then it can hurt me. Does it rhyme with hub mission? It does <laughs> rhyme with hub mission. So that's happening, and I'm feeling okay. I oscillate between feeling like, eh, I've done all I can do, and then also between, like, I'm going to cry and um, hide away forever and be embarrassed for the rest of my life when, when if, it dies. Mm. Um, but then the thing that I'm doing that I think is healthy is I have switched. I have a new project that I've outlined. I've shared it with somebody who made notes. And I'm going to send that to my agent as well so that I can get the okay so I can work on something during the thing that rhymes with hub mission. perfect. Perfect. Yeah. And truly working on the new outline of something, like, I love it. Like, I love it. And I didn't think I would find something that I love, but I'm in love with this idea. Like, I'm so excited about it. And... I think it can do some really twisty, fun things. And I think it's totally different for me. And like, I just kept like, and it's one of those that every chapter that I have outlined, every section, every beat that I have outlined gives me that glowy feeling. Oh my gosh. I'm insanely jealous and insanely happy for you. But this is, you are the quintessential example of good deliberate practice right now, right? Like how long have you been outlining? Uh, For all summer, (laughs) all summer, all summer for this new project, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so, and you, you and I had conversations in the beginning of the summer, like, hmm, I wonder if there's a way for us to not rewrite our books a million times. Right. Which, spoiler alert, I'm still rewriting my book. Ooh, I'm going to ask you the same question. We're going to learn about the other side of this journey. The other side. Yeah, eventually. Um, but you, and so you, hopefully, I mean, it sounds like you might've really leveled up, but regardless, you're having a good time. Like you're, the spark is there. You you're at one of the most stressful parts of a, a writer's career. Right. You know, submission. I said it. <gasps> we, we will not, like, Voldemort this, right? It's fine. Um, and, it, like, this is, it's win-win for you. You work on something else and your book doesn't sell, then you're ready right. to, to put something else out there. You right. On your end, this will have your new level. You know what I mean? Like, so then you start to like it more than that's the other one. That's the thing I'm having a hard time with. And I that's the opening up of the old book because it's, like, there's a part of me that's like, I would do this so differently. I could, it's the, I could do this so differently, but I don't know what I would do. Like it's different. I feel that like growth, that stretch. I've been reading the emotional craft of fiction, um, which, because I think you suggested that. I know you suggested reading it. It's not, it's not, um, no, it is. Yeah. Yeah. You could fall asleep reading it. You have to, you have to really, I have to do it with a highlighter every time like and, or something yes. to underline because otherwise I'm going to snooze off. But I took my highlighter, my pencil. I even had my like phone to take notes with. And that like I'm picking up some things that I'm like, okay, I see where when I go back for line edits, I can implement this. But I can also see where I can sculpt this new idea from the ground up implementing oh. some of these things. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So for those who don't recall my obsession with the emotional craft of fiction, it is a craft book. 
that I have read 60 to 70% of three to four times, but I never finish it because I get so excited right. <laughs> by what I'm learning that I put it back down. And it is my, I typically use it pre-line edits mm-hmm. when the plot is set, though it is, it has plenty of things for setting a plot too. Yeah. But it is more nuanced techniques to make your reader feel uh, and so I refer, there's like six or seven techniques right off the bat that come quickly that I, I refer to in right. my notes to people often. And I, I refer to back to to myself often, like the layering of emotion, the not, if you want someone to feel something strongly, you go for the, the unexpected emotion, not the, oh, someone died and I cried. It's someone died and like a laugh bubbled in my throat, you know, that's right. the, yeah. It's that the, I took a quote, I took a quote from it because it just, I don't know. Maybe I should make this my craft corner. Maybe you should. Maybe you should. Now you gotta wait to the end. Okay. Now I'm gonna wait. Okay. (laughs) You have to wait. There's a quote from there that like changed some things for me, which is like, I think it's this quote. You can sculpt a whole scene around it, and not just a single moment or a reaction. And I'm excited to implement that. Oh, I can't wait to hear it because I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm excited. (laughs) So I send this question back to you because. I know we've talked a little bit about this journey that you are on. How is deliberate practice and this journey going for you? I am better than last week, for sure. Like, I think I'm in, I think I'm in the green again, where I was in the red. And then I spent most of the week just not feeling anything. Like, I felt like my creativity just wasn't there because I was stressing about the external factors of... So I've been, I'm going to rewrite this book again. All those words are lost. I can feel... You know, I've written more than the Bible at this point. It's all being deleted. (laughs) Um, But I got to a, I've been sitting with my outline and and walking away and taking a notebook outside with me and just scribbling things down. And I haven't solved the problem yet because I have a a plot problem. Um, But I have made progress around it. And it's starting like yesterday was the first day where I was like, I I believe I'm going to do this. And uh, you and I have talked about this in the past, but one thing I always think of is I, someone that I worked with who is an artist, uh, like a drawing, (laughs) like I'm moving my hand, like an actual artist. Yeah. Yeah. We used to talk about how their hand would stop cooperating Uh for a while and it'd be very frustrating for them when they were trying to learn something new, like their hand, all of a sudden they couldn't draw as well at all. And they really get very anxious about it and very frustrated and after that period of time passed, they'd discovered that they leveled up. Okay. Like, it's yeah. like their hand stopped cooperating as it understood a new skill that they were purposefully trying to acquire. Right. Same thing with babies. When babies go through like regressions, they go backwards before their brains like leap. Like before a baby crawls, right. it usually sleeps like shit. <laughs> and you're right. like, it's going backwards. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and same with potty training and other things, like when they, right. they kind of level up, there's like a posture. So I'm hoping that all of the pain <laughs> is me and me staring at this and being like, I don't know how to fix this. I'm at a point now where I'm like, this is me. I have to look at this as this is me leveling up. Right. Like the external rewards for writing are really delayed right now. I'm going to get, I'm not going to see a cover for a while. I'm not going to mm-hmm. get paid for this until I hand it in. Uh, like those external things are just all, there's going to be no reviews. Uh, there's nothing, no right. praise. I just need to write the fucking book and right. I need to write it the best that I can. Exactly. 
And so it's sort of forcing me to be like, well, I don't do it for all of that anyways. I don't even read reviews. Like I need right. to focus on making this story make sense. And I have written myself into <laughs> a like conundrum. Yeah. And I'm going to like plot my way out of it or yeah. write my way out of it. Um, and so there's going to be a lightning bolt. Uh, but it hasn't happened yet. Don't you love and hate, mostly hate, that feeling? Yep. My Mac was rude enough to inform me that I've been averaging 12 hours a day staring at this computer screen. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, I've stared at this computer screen four days a week, 12 hours a day. And I have no words to show for it. It's one way to measure it, mm-hmm. right? But the other way is I'm like, this is really me like twiddling my thumbs. It's metaphorically, I am standing outside waiting for the thunderstorm to begin uh-huh. in a tinfoil cap <laughs> with yep. a fork in the air. <laughs> <laughs> Any day now. Hit me. <laughs> They're and like, Grandma, the sky is clear. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> it's going to yeah. rain, damn it. <laughs> no, and that's this is part of the process. Yeah. And again, my in talking to my agent about my fear of this taking me so long, she was just like, some books take a long time. Like, it's more important that you do it right. And I'm like, okay. That's what I preach. I have to practice what I preach. But it's like, it's good to have that validation of it takes as long as it takes, right? Like, it's okay. That's normal. It's, it's fine. Okay. And part of creativity, I'm learning. It's an evolving process. I think it was Marissa Meyer who said this on her podcast, like uh-huh. The Happy Writer, which fits our ethos. But she said, uh, she once was talking about like, oh, I say once. It was the JLB episode. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. It was the JLB episode. So when my BFF, JLB, Jennifer Lynn Barnes, was on there. <laughs> hey, Jen. Hey, Jen. Up, Thanks for listening again. <laughs> Don't worry about the restraining order. It's funny. <laughs> LOL. It got lost in the mail. <laughs> lost in the mail. LOL. Um, they were talking about how creativity is an like ever-evolving process. Like you think there's a phase of your life you're like, this is how I'm creative at this age with these responsibilities, with these things on my mind. And then life shifts and changes and you have to relearn creativity. Right. So like they talked about it in terms of like having kids or in terms of like maybe grief or whatever it is. But like, and part of it is also just being an author and like being on contract. Like I have to relearn my creativity for book two. Uh How do I write a book that's already sold? On proposal. Yeah, I... that's like a totally different process. Yeah, You've never totally. done that before. No, I always outline and ignore it, which is part of my problem, which is what I did again. Like, Damn it! They bought this one-page summary, and then I was like, let's rip it up! Let's do <laughs> it like, again! Why doesn't this plot work? It worked out so well! I had a one-page well. summary. <laughs> um, all this to say is now, this week, I am honing in on chapter one again. So this is a great time for us to talk about chapter one chapter one you are honing in on chapter one i started reading my chapter one and then promptly threw up so I'm why, a are, why are we talking about <laughs> i'm a little nervous that we're going to do this episode and you're gonna like no it's gonna, fine you're gonna panic i'm in a good place because i know my notes are coming and i've resigned myself to not doing anything unless i have those notes so so chapter one is the most important chapter if you don't get it right then no one will ever read your book and your life is over, and no agent will read your pages, and that's what we've all been told. <laughs> that's what we've all been told. And I'm glad you started there, because I wanted to start with saying, fuck all that. <laughs> <laughs> I I have come to a place with creativity, and I don't know, like, I don't want to, like, I don't want to, like, 
I don't know if pedantic is the word I want here, but I don't want to be like blase with this. Mm-hmm. I remember being there and working so hard to make it so punchy and so catchy and so in media res and so blah, 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 blah. I don't know what in media res means. It means in the middle of the action. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yes. In the middle oh, of things. That's well, that's there's the reason I don't know that because I'm really bad at that. No, you're great. Like I, I don't, you get all this like advice and then you get all this pressure that you put on your shoulders. And I think the thing that we forget, and this is again, like in vibe with what our podcast is about. I think we forget the joy of like, there was something that sparked you to write this book, to write this story. And if you don't start or at least find your way to a beginning that has that joy and that fun for you packed into it it's it's gonna fall flat yeah chapter ones are they're intoxicating to write they're the most stressful in that way because Uh we are aware of the pressure but it's also like it is the joy of a fresh page like sky's the limit and this is where i occupy that zone of like i am about to write the most brilliant somehow oscar winning book that has ever been (laughs) oscared (laughs) why thank you i'll take this award now for this this one word i wrote the (laughs) chapter (laughs) just it's like always like queens don't stop me now playing really because i'm having a good Good time time. (laughs) the credits are rolling in right chapter one (laughs) but also I rewrite chapter one more than anything else. Like I have a toxic trait with this because I put so much pressure on myself. Same. I do the same thing. Like I put a lot of pressure on myself, but then I have to like, there's at least some point in the process where I have to remind myself, calm it down. You're not going to please everyone. Yeah. If we had to boil it down and say chapter one needs to, the, the, sorry, I'm like trying to get the right words for it. A successful chapter one boiled down gets people to chapter two. Yeah, it makes your book unputdownable. Yes, you want people to continue reading. So it is, in a way, it is in both an advertisement for your book and the beginning of your story. It is like, you, which we can get into some of the nitty gritty of what that is. But you want chapter one to show people exactly why they're here and why they should stay here. The way that a commercial is like, it. here's why you should buy this. While also actually being relevant to your story. I love that. Because that's really what it is. I mean, that yeah. was... Um, one of the exercises that um, my mentor had me do uh, during pitch wars, like when we were getting ready for the showcase, was I had to go to a bookstore and or the library and start picking YA books off the shelf that I thought looked interesting. Didn't matter if I'd read it before. Didn't matter if I knew what it was about. Pick it up and start reading and just notice things about it. Notice when I stopped reading. Notice when I was like done. Notice when I my brain shifted. Notice when I got real excited. Notice when I leaned forward. Notice if one made me turn the page to the next page. Like really start analyzing why. Like mm-hmm. why did it make me put it down? And it was the greatest help. There's like a bunch of, yeah, a bunch of different things that could go right. And like you just have to get a couple of them and it works. And this exactly. is where not every, but it, like we all have different tastes. Like you and I, there are books that we couldn't put down the first chapter that people can't get through. And it's because whatever elements they prioritize really spoke to us. Uh-huh. Um, so a few years ago, I went to, this was like pre-COVID, pre-RWA, Romance Writers Association, or whatever it was, yeah. imploding completely. Um, <clears throat> it was the Yarwa, it was the YA one. And they had a keynote speaker who was, but bump Lisa Crone, story genius. 
Yes, we love her. And she gave a talk titled uh, Chapter One Hardwired Expectations. Like the things that we expect from a neurological perspective, a neuropsychological perspective, what should your chapter one do in fiction that makes people read to chapter two? And it was brilliant. Okay, my brain leaned really forward. <laughs> so did your head. It's <laughs> so like it's the inter... Hello. Uh, this is like the intersection of all things that I love. Psychology, hacking, like, quote unquote, hacking your brain for storytelling. Do tell in great detail. Okay, good. Because I took copious notes. So there... I have nine things. I think she said 13, but I think I combined them. Okay. <laughs> um, and we don't have to go through all of them. And frankly, some of them are really into what we've covered in character already. So if you haven't listened to our, our first non-intro episode, which is character, go do that because it's great. Uh, she said, number one, make a point that starts in the first sentence. Okay. And so this is, we, you and I have talked about this before. We've read lots of first sentences, et cetera. We've tested them. This is really hard. But it's also, once you do it, you do it. Right. And that point should be your main, it should hint at your main character's vulnerability, if I'm uh-huh. just spelling it out. And it should be related to human nature in some way, which, again, we talk about in truth versus lie in character. Okay, yeah. Like, this is that misbelief. This is that lie. This is the lens by which they're seeing the world that is going to need to change in order for them to come out of this a healthier or more interesting whatever it is. It's going to change because change is what makes story interesting. Yes. I'm opening and, up a Libby to look at things. Keep going because I okay. want to look. I Basically, I just want to, like... This is my learning process where I'm like, all right, let me see it in action. The big thing in each, so in each one of these, I try to like highlight, like what is the most important part in her? The one I highlighted here was like, get to the point. If readers can't feel the point, they're leaving. Oh. Like you, what is the point of your book? Get it right away or they're leaving. Uh, you dig into it now immediately in the first car- a paragraph. It, it'll keep you writing forward rather than stalling. So don't delay getting to the heart of your book. And this is something she, like, I think you can do this meaning like, if your book is about violence, start with violence. Yeah. Like, if your book is about heartbreak, start with heartbreak. Uh-huh. Uh, and this is something I struggle with. I'm going to start 100 pages before heartbreak. Right. <laughs> and then be like, why is the pacing off? And why but is it 150,000 words? Really it's pacing. Um, but really, if people are here for a heartbreak book, then they want that to start on the first page. It doesn't necessarily mean that the action truly has to start, but that emotional thread is starting on the first page. I think that's uh, a really great... Sorry, yeah, I don't no, know if no, you no, just want to keep it, going yeah. or if you want me to interject. No, no, interject. I think that's a really good distinction because a lot of the times we do hear start in the middle of the action, right? Start with whatever. But then you get people who have the other things that are like, that don't start with explosions. Don't start with a fist fight. Don't start with blah, blah, blah. Like, it's too start, many rules. It's too many rules. And I think that that is a very good distinction is start with like the heartbreak. Start with the heart of a character. Start with the heart of the problem that gets your reader to latch on to, I see where this is going, right? But not plot-wise, we're talking character-wise. Like, innately, they know where this is headed, right? Not with, I could give a shit less if the opening line is, like, a fist fight, right? Unless there's, like, something character-wise in that first sentence, then it's... Unless you know what, why, why, or what they're feeling. Yeah. Yes. Otherwise, it's like, oh, my my fist crunches against their nose, and you're like, okay, that's something. And I've put a lot of pressure on myself to do this in the first sentence, and it never goes well. 
if I put pressure on myself, it, it, it's daunting to do it in the first sentence or even the first, like, so then I loosen it up and I'm like, all right, first page, first paragraph. And when I've done this, I went through, this got circulated a few years ago, but I went through all the pitch wars things that were, that were up on the website from mm-hmm. my 2020 class and people who had book deals already yeah. like I went through and just pulled theirs and was like yep promise of the premise right in these first yeah two three hundred words promise of the premise there it is again meaning like if this is a book about x then there is at least a hint of x right at the it doesn't need to be the first line but on that first page right and then i think once you have it drafted like that there are ways that it, it starts to seep once you have the voice down etc it starts to seep into that first line first page i love that yeah that takes the pressure off of like you have to have a banger first line exactly you just have to kind of know what your character is about as closely to the beginning as you can and then through revision you'll figure that out yeah, and what, like, JLB does well, for example, like, her chapter one of the Inheritance games that we've already read a chunk of it, like, it starts with, I won't go, I won't, like, read the thing, but again, it starts with her talking a little bit about, like, how her mom, like, you know, essentially giving yeah. you they used to play games and they were poor, and then it goes into, like, she makes it to school, she gets called into the principal's office, which is not common for her, and she gets accused of cheating on a test. And she tells you, like, I didn't cheat. I just stayed up late and studied because usually I wanted, you know, usually I'm fine getting, like, A minus, B plus, but I wanted to get an A plus, you know? Yeah. And she gets accused of cheating. The chapter ends with her saying, like, I want, he's like, well, the only way is, like, if you were to take the test again, and like, da, 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 da. She's like, take it. I'll take it right now. Yeah. And so that ends up not mattering so much plot-wise. Yeah. But it teaches us something about her. It's an example, an episode, I'd say. That teaches us about the fighter that she is uh-huh. and the confidence that she has and how nobody has her back. And, and built in this is that how much she works and that she slept in her car and like there's other things right. without feeling sorry for herself. So it's like not distracting in that way. Yeah. Um, but so I've been trying to think of first chapters are often like a microcosm, a miniature world that yes. then gives us a preview to what this character is like and also what they need. That is something that I have thought about a lot lately. Microcosm is a great, great word for it. Because I, I was love thinking like it is a great word. word. Right? It's every time you use it, you're like, yeah, I used microcosm correctly in this <laughs> sentence. Okay, truthfully, I've thought about it and I I go back and forth on whether I like to think about it this way or not, but like I've always thought about it as a mini plot. Like it's a full yes. plot. Yes. Right? It has exposition, rising action, climax, falling action, resolution, hook into the next one, right? And I like it more as like a microcosm because the more I think about it, the more so many books start with a chapter or a scene with characters we're never going to see again. Which is like a a no-no that we're taught, right? Don't use them if we're not going to use them, but it happens very often. It does. It's almost like... often, yeah. It's almost We're like sp- Disney, like, Di- you know, like Disney always does like the little flashback or the beginning. It like, always starts with the parents dying. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's like every Disney books movie starts to do with that the parents now. dying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Truly frozen, parents dying. Absolutely. Uh, it's like, yeah. here's this mystical river that you didn't know about in the first movie, but now you do because of prologues. <laughs> yeah. Because this first chapter. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, um, you're right. So that's a microcosm. Well, that also, that's a way of building empathy. I think that's like a very, I think that's something that works in books, but works better in movies I too. Yeah. yeah. Cause I've tried to do that. Yeah. It's, it's not working, Anna. It's it doesn't working. have, no wonder um, people say prologues are hard. I know. 
I'm going to go through a couple of the other one, like, relevant to this. Yeah. I'm still keep interrupting, et cetera, but I'm trying to hold the pulling the books off the shelf that I'm desperate to do right now. Right. Because um, I know there's someone sitting there who's, like, tapping their pen, like, what the hell? You said like, number one. You said there's on. 13. It has been on number one for 20 <laughs> minutes. Again, we defunded we the podcasting police. Get out. <laughs> We do what we want. Number two, one single external problem will force the main character to struggle with the internal problem. This isn't a page one. This is a first chapter that there's okay. in the first chapter you have introduced or hinted at. There's some in like external problem that's coming, but at least, you know, the internal problem. Right. And okay. that external problem stems from the internal problem. So if you don't trust anybody, then you're thrust into a situation where you're going to have to trust people. So first it shows the lack of trust, okay. right? And you have to make that perfectly clear. And then there's are some, at least some hints at, right? like, well, I can't, this person can't continue on the path that they're currently on. They're in a crash course for this trust to right. become problematic. And it doesn't uh, mean that you have to do anything about that. Like you don't have to like suddenly force them into a situation in which they have to trust people, but you have to have something that reflects that. That's the setup because then okay. it will escalate later. It will grow Love exponentially it. as the story continues. Number three, <laughs> uh, a glimpse of the big picture from the very first paragraph. So this is like a lot of these are, this is a Venn diagram of 13 things, right? There's a lot of overlap, but this advice really stuck to me. Don't do breadcrumbs. Don't withhold the important stuff that pulls reader in. In my uh, original YA sci-fi baby that forever lives on an old laptop, may she rest in peace. Uh, it was about a, a the main character had lots of. I just thought that like a book should open with lots of mysteries, and so you didn't know why she was stuck in this place, and you didn't know why she didn't like this person. You didn't know. You didn't know. You didn't know, and. Like, I realized that that actually was doing the story a major disservice because you can't put yourself in the head of someone who does, if, if they're not telling you what's going on. <laughs> so a big, uh -huh. you're nodding and nodding. Um, uh, that was one of my last big edits was, uh, you know, like, um, I have a wonderful agent who doesn't tell me what to do. But, you know, and it was essentially the, uh, I had to look myself in the mirror and go, pick three secrets. And those are the only secrets people can keep. Like, these are the only things. Pick. And it was like, make sure the reader knows everything. Because like, it was like, oh, so much mystery. It'll be great to infer right. all of these one billion things. Too much mystery. Yeah. Her hair is purple. <laughs> like, you never knew. You thought it was red. You but it's it purple. Red the whole time. <laughs> Yeah, no, the breadcrumbs don't work as well as we think, especially not in a first chapter. There can be, like you said, there can be some secrets. It's just not everything can be a secret. And maybe don't start with a secret. Right. Um, a part of this is she she specifically said, I put in quotes, first paragraph is a promise we make to the reader. Yes. And I really love that. And I, this I, is where I think that's where title comes in, where cover comes in, where everything comes in with the book is like, not every book is for every person. It's sad but true forever. I thought I would write a book that's just for everybody, but that's not, it's yeah. categorically impossible. Exactly. People, yeah. Like, I am married to someone who doesn't read fiction. He'll read what I write because he's nice, but he only, he prefers nonfiction. He doesn't enjoy fiction. Right. And I really struggle with nonfiction. <laughs> just people have different that's tastes. Aww. So I know. <laughs> wah, wah. Wah, wah. Thanks for reading my romance YA book. I know, right? Well, he also, when he reads them, he gets like really stuck on whatever draft he reads or he's like, you know, he like he still thinks the best book I ever wrote was the first one. I'm like, you're literally wrong. 
So yeah. Marriott, Marietta Falls was great. You really should do something at Marietta Falls. That was great. That was like the name of like the first thing I ever read. Yeah. I'm like, no. No. <laughs> it's it should hot die. garbage. It's cold garbage now. It's like, yeah, it's disintegrated garbage. Ra- raccoons wouldn't eat it. Stop. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's the idea that this is a promise we make to the reader. So that first paragraph, the tone should be what the book is about. The main character's thought process should be a preview. If it's a book about violence and it is a calm first paragraph with no hint of violence or no unease, right? then people who love violence are going to put it down uh-huh. just strategically. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm, I'm also like chewing on an idea that I've noticed with books that I can pull off the shelf versus like, my drafts of things right or it's a promise how do I put it it's a pro it's almost like it's a promise that I have a plan right yes. like it's a I am promising to you that I am going to take this somewhere yes oh I'm tingling a little bit yeah you're in good hands reader yes that I that this isn't arbitrary like I haven't just written arbitrary words that this is going it is a promise of a journey of an internal journey or a whatever kind of journey that's what really sparks for me is that I know that each sentence and each paragraph by the time it gets to the shelf is a loving domino that has been set up and I feel like it hits one domino after the other and that's what pushes me to turn the page so there's like a promise of that premise as well right yes no absolutely it's the i i love that it's so so true because what what worse feeling as a reader i don't know if this is just me but like if i read something and i'm like wait a second like this like i once read a book it's a popular YA novel that i will not name that is so gloriously written and so beautifully, like, prosily written. And it has this prologue that I could just lick. It is so beautiful. And it doesn't fucking matter for the rest of the book. <laughs> like, there's tremendous death and terrible things happen. And it literally, the only thing that matters is that the main character has experienced some degree of mysterious loss. And she never goes to solve that mystery. She never goes to think about that mystery again. <laughs> you're you're making the face where you know what I'm talking about. I haven't about. read it. it. I'm not going to do it. I don't think I know what it is. It's a bad feeling when you feel like an author gets away with just, and that's not necessarily the case for this book because there was enough. It's, again, prioritizing certain things that prioritize vibes over plot and, like, I'll respect right. it. Yeah. But sometimes, like, if you read a book and someone just gets a lot of stuff in there that doesn't matter... You, it's insulting. Like, it makes me mad. Like, you wasted my time. Why Why did I spend... This is like Game of Thrones will do this, right? Like, why yes. did I spend four hours in this... When they were trekking through this, if then, you know, two books later, they can do it in an hour. Like, you exactly. wasted my time. Exactly. That, so I think... It's the yeah. wasting of the time. Like, I and, feel like you are... Even if that book is 8,000 pages long... If I feel like you are respecting my time and everything is necessary and one leads right into the next, I am ride or die for fucking ever. I'll read every one of those 8,000 pages. But if it's like, I don't understand the point of any of this, then I'm out. Yeah, then I'm then I'm out and I don't trust you. I don't trust that exactly. I am taking the time to read this book and that you I am good hands. And I think it's really tempting to mess that up in a first chapter because we try to do so much or because right. we think it'll be cool if we start here and then oh we subverted your expectations. Like, don't do it. Yeah, Lisa Crohn says when you hold back your reader doesn't know who your main character is, that mm-hmm. real people think about the real problem. And if your main character isn't thinking about the real problem, if they're thinking in cryptic ways, then they're not. That doesn't feel real and we're out of the story. Yeah. 
she said, give it all away right away, even give away too much and then delete it in revisions. Like it's easier to, yeah. Love that. Um, I'm going to, a few of them I'll just kind of hammer out quickly. There must be a main character, like even dual point of views need an alpha main character, blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. We already talked in our character episode about the next few, which is uh, the main character should be flawed. Uh, main character must have a past that affects the present and the future. Um, number seven, main character enters the story already walk- wanting something. Why do they want it? She said almost always it's some form of to survive. Love that. Right. This, I love this, this idea sets, of survival. Yeah. And this sets their agenda. So they have to enter the story lacking for something. That's that misbelief. That's right. that lie. Right. And uh, they might not know it, but they give off tells. And that's what makes the story interesting. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so, that goes back to our discussion in voice about the parasocial. Did I use that term correctly? Mm-hmm. Parasocial, like, relationship, right? Where it's like they give off these tells of that they are lacking in something, and therefore your reader feels something, and therefore they want to keep reading. Ah, uh, yeah. That, you see that, what I'm um, saying? Okay. The, the, it's still like we call it, like, I want to call it a dialect, even though I know it means language. A dialect. We call it a dyad, yes, yes. Yes. And I was thinking because it's dialectical behavior therapy, DBT is like a thing. But uh-huh. it's a dyad, yeah, that the reader and the character on two opposite yes. ends of a feeling. There goal. it is, yeah. Yeah. And so, right, we need, if they're giving off tells, but they're not actively thinking, oh, I'm so messed up over this thing that happened. If they're just like, huh, and like bad joke about this. And, uh-huh. like, and then you're like, oh, baby. Oh, like, poor thing. Therapy. Right? <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. What if you talked about it? <laughs> the next few are, I'm just kind of going through them so we can get to examples, but the next few are really very character focused that we've already touched about yeah. misbeliefs and lies and, um, Readers expect to feel something from the first page to the last. So don't tell me intellectually. I want to be in their head when they have this realization and when they're struggling with something, I want to be in their head. You're like thumbs upping this in a silent way. That yeah. This was another thing that I had because I was like, what am I going to bring to the table? And all I could think of was like what I love in a first chapter. And one of them was even if the voice isn't close, like even if you're third person omniscient I don't know even if you're back like I I want immediacy like I want to be right there in your head I want it's that secret telling right where it's like I know something that this character would never tell anybody else and it's because I'm in their head it's mm-hmm. because I'm with them it's because yes. I am living with them right oh, now I have, that. I have one of those examples ready yeah 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 I do okay because I love that. That was like one of the things that I was thinking about. All of these chapters immediately start with some kind of like some kind of like acceptance of themselves. Like like I'm a shitty human being and I'm like, well, if, if that's not a thought that I've had 12 times a day and never told anybody, <laughs> let's le- let's listen in. Like, let's be let's lean forward because this and- is something I know you wouldn't say out loud you're thinking it so therefore you're I'm trusting me it. i'm yes. thinking it and this is where she says body language is overrated uh because it doesn't tell us why they feel that way right so if someone it rather than i'm a shitty person if it was just like my sadness like 
was a pit in my stomach that uh-huh. pulled me down. Like, yeah, that's pretty. And there's probably a, a point for that, but I'm not feeling as sad or as curious as I am when someone says I'm a shitty person. Right. And that, Thought, that thoughts are much more powerful. Than so, yeah. so much more powerful. I think thoughts and, uh, I am a big proponent for thoughts and interactions with other characters because that can teach you so much about somebody without actually having to say it. Mm-hmm. And then one thing, oh gosh, I wish I could re- remember who I had this conversation with, but it was about how in editing your earlier chapters, you don't have room to describe things beautifully. No, You're not, not in way, it. At least. Yeah. yeah. You can't describe how much something felt physically you can't describe how beautiful the room is you can't spend a ton of time on these beautiful descriptions sure unload that bit by bit by bit after the first couple chapters and go like you can go buck wild towards the back half because by that point you've sucked the reader in right they are in it's more forgiving yeah exactly if you need to get those things across anna's not saying don't describe things but as we've talked about in the past have those descriptions serve an emotional purpose. Have them be, yeah, have them Double serve. Purposes. you got to kill two birds with one stone. you got to kill ten birds with one stone. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, the rest of these are really more as the book progresses and they're things we've talked about, so I'm not going to do them. Let's, let's shift. So these are just like, again, the idea here is general ideas of what does a good first chapter accomplish and right. why. Um, how about some in my dreams i hold an eye <gasps> hooray let's do it i've read this to you before because i love it okay ashley winstead god i love this opening um i'm not gonna read the whole thing because it's a whole first chapter but i'm gonna try to like go to some of my favorites um so this is a book about a young woman or i guess she's in her late 20s when the book begins and she is going to her college tenure reunion mm-hmm. and so it flashes back to when she's 18 and a freshman at college And you come to find out that she was in a group of seven best friends and one of them was murdered and that murder has remained unsolved. Okay. Uh, And that put a, obviously put a damper on her college experience. You know. Um, But it's an interesting damper because she's not a typical, I think she's a very unique main character, which is why I love this because this one, Ashley's brilliant. So it opens with, your body has a knowing. Like an antenna attuned to tremors in the air or a dowsing rod tracing things so deeply buried you have no language for them yet. The Saturday it arrived, I woke taut as a guitar string. All day I felt a hum of something straightening my spine, something I didn't recognize as anticipation until the moment my key slid into the mailbox, turned the lock, and there it was. And then she goes on to describe the invitation. So, so far... Again, this is not, this isn't like following the rules. It's a, she's second person for a sentence. Yeah. Your body has a way of, I am talking to you. This is uh-huh. Jessica's talking to us. But what does this tell? It's pretty. So we learn Ashley can write, which is not the yes. point, right? We learn that her main character thinks quite highly of her own intuitions. Uh-huh. And that she is very much anticipating going to this college reunion to the part where she is now interpreting her general the way her bones feel in her body to be like, yeah, I knew it was coming today. Right. I felt it all day, right? Um, and so then it w- walks you through in the first chapter. She, in a dreamlike state, she goes up to her apartment and she opens it. She reads it. Um, she goes into the bathroom. Oh, she remembers a little bit about campus. That's important. It introduces you to the main people and even the, the murder. 
And then she goes to the bathroom. This is another, like, breaking convention. We're not supposed to figure out, not supposed to, quote, unquote, figure out what a character looks like from them looking in the mirror. But she uh-huh. does it so cleverly. Um, I guess she's 32 in this. Oh, I guess, yeah. I guess when you graduate, 10-year reunion would be 32. Right. <laughs> what is age? And it goes into her description, but it's all about the money she spent to get herself to oh, look. Oh, fuck. Yeah, it is. A, she is vain. She is vain and she is fiercely competitive. And then we learn, like, an even less endearing confession. Sometimes, rarely, but sometimes I felt I was perfect, or at least close to. And she talks before that, she's saying, like, I want them to see perfection. Um, I ached for it so in the deep, dark core of me to be so good, I left other people in the dust. It wasn't an endearing thing to admit. So I'd never told anyone, save a therapist once. She'd asked me if I thought it was possible to be perfect, and I'd amended that I didn't need to be perfect, per se, as long as I was the best. Like, she, yeah, how, like, it's, like, the darkest, but there's also, like, something relatable about that. Like, who I among mean, us at some point hasn't felt like, I want to be the best? Yeah, like, <laughs> the, the, be the therapist asking, do you think perfection can be attained? And I think every anyone who has struggled with perfectionism, me right here raising my hand, yeah. uh, is, like... Yeah, no, nobody can be perfect, but I'm going to try my fucking hardest. I'm going to try to be the best because I can't fail. Yeah, no, exactly. So this is, the, that's the voice, right? The power of this voice is that yeah. it's unique in this way. And then the rest of the chapter goes through her, again, it's not starting in the action per se. It starts the promise of the premise. She receives the invitation right. in the first paragraph. And this right. book is about this reunion and the murder mystery like that unfolds when all of these people are together again, right. which of her seven best friends right. killed one of them, one of their own. Uh, and so she envisions going back and it's like, she envisions the like too embarrassed to talk about how successful I was, how much money I made to talk about blah, blah, blah. blah. Like she's like not a great person, which is an important part of this plot too. Cause as you're reading, you're like, did she, she didn't do this. Did she like, <laughs> yeah, you know, like she's not, she is part of this mystery in some way. And the last line of that, this is, at long last, I was going back. Oh. So I think that's an important first, again, we want to read to the second. We don't end with all of the answers. Like when we talk about secrets, it's not just like information that we should know and you didn't tell us. The secret that Winstead pulls off, it's not a secret. It's, okay, what is this vain oddly compelling person going to do at this college like how i want to know how this goes for is this going to be her dream like reception where she is the star or is she going to crash and burn is she going to get accused of murder yeah you know like how is this going to go for her because it's such a great setup of like this you know you're going in for a murder mystery and going back should be difficult Right, going Ooh, back. That's a really good point. That's the thing. This is the like what one character feels, but what you interpret as a reader is like this should be difficult. This should be hard. Like a friend was murdered, maybe by one of your other friends or by you. Right. And as a reader, you're like, here is this deeply vain person, and the line isn't. I guess it's time to go back, or I always knew this would happen. It's like a. At long last. At long last. Like, this is the me show. Yes. And you are like, girl, someone died. Oh, I never even thought of it like that, but you're exactly right. Her her priorities are way off. Yeah. (laughs) And that's that, like, 
the misbelief, the lie here in some ways. Right. Like her, her, she is so like her self worth, her inflated sense of self, the way that she is rating her own success, the way she's judging other people. This will prevent her from closeness, from healing, from being, yeah, like from evolving. And there is a disconnect between who she is and what a healthy person would be right. doing in this situation. Yeah, and that, it's a like, really good point. There is no other course than to turn the page, to be yeah. like, either because you're like, I can't wait to watch this person crash and burn, or because you're like, is she she did it. And yeah, did she do it? Yeah. And there, this book has one of my favorite fucking emotional wounds, which relates to our earlier conversation. Oh, pre, no! Which I'll, it's very early in the book, so I will give it away because it's small, but yes. she has a it's one of these like planning the what happened before the story that made Jessica the way she is and she talks about being in like elementary school or something and like the boys make a list of like the prettiest girls in the class or whatever and she's like she hears about it they get in trouble for it it's going around and she's like measuring her expectations and like okay well I'm definitely prettier her but like clearly they would pick these girls more so maybe I'm like you know five six she wasn't on the list because she was not noticeable and this is like she, wow. her big wounds are like, people never noticed me until college. And now I'm going back to college and I am going to still be. And I'm going to be girl. noticed again. I'm going to Even be though girl. maybe I should be more concerned about the fact that someone killed right. my roommate. Uh, and it's probably one of my best friends. And maybe, you know, maybe some people think it's me. Right. <laughs> right. Her priorities she's like, are I so was important in college and I'm going to go back and show them all that I am still important because I was forgettable. I was invisible. Which I think part of the mystery there, like we talk about mysteries, right? Like don't put everything out on the page. But I think the beautiful thing is everything is out on the page. The character's personality here is out on the page. But the mystery that's still there is who hurt you? Like who made you this way, right? Like especially for a character like this in this very particular situation, you can't help but look at this person and be like, you're so fucking different. How did, yeah. how did you get this way? How did you get this way? She unravels way? it slowly with little remembrances. Oh, sorry. That's Nessie being very offended. She's not in this room. She's like, excuse me. It's podcast time. Okay. Night Circus was like one of the first books that like helped dive me back into reading like seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, like reading to want to be a writer. Mm-hmm. And it was because it had done something that I had never really seen before and did it in such a way that it, like, just blew my mind. And I think it works because it breaks the rule of, like, setting, right? Like, one of the things was don't describe your setting. It does that in a way that's beautiful, right? That, and that accomplishes more than just here's a description of my setting. Bingo. It's ten birds, one stone. Because the whole book is the night circus, right? So you know it's about, like, a circus that appears at random and then disappears you know it's going to be a magical like battle between two people romance great so it starts the circus arrives without warning no announcements precede it no paper notices on downtown posts and billboards no mentions or advertisements in local newspapers it's simply there when yesterday it was not and then it goes on to like describe it right but then it does let me see if i can find where it does it. And the black sign painted in white letters that hangs upon the gates, the one that reads, opens at nightfall, closes at dawn. What kind of circus is only open at night, people ask. No one has a proper answer. Yet as dusk, dusk approaches, there's a substantial crowd of spectators gathering outside the gates. 
You are amongst them, of course. Your curiosity got the better of you, as curiosity is wont to do. You stand in the fading light, the scarf around your neck pulled up against the chilly evening breeze, waiting to see for yourself exactly what kind of circus only opens once the sun sets. What if I have tears in my eyes? It does this like, like you are the character, right? And I've never read a book that does that in that way that you, here I have described this mysterious enthralling, beautiful circus, this big mystery. And who's the character waiting? Oh, it's you. You're waiting. So talk about putting the reader in the story. <laughs> Bingo. Like this is truly at like going on with that, like that promise, right? Like this is a breathtaking du- duel between like magic magicians and it's going to be amazing. And, and, you and have it's quite a- literally what's inside. Yes. What's inside. Yeah. Yes. You have a front row like seat to it all. Um it talks about how you go in, like, you're, like, going into the night circus. Again, it, like, describes the smells, everything that's going on. Um, someone in the crowd smiled knowingly, while others frowned and looked questioningly at their neighbors. A child near you tugs on their mother's sleeves, begging to know what it says. The circus of dreams comes the reply. The girl smiles delightedly. Then the iron gates shudder and unlock, seemingly by their own volition. They swing outward, inviting the crowd inside. Now the circus is open. Now you may enter. And that's where the book starts. <laughs> is that you may enter. So like no, I'll cut all enter. of that like in editing. But just this I have really set this ethereal kind of circus. It is you feel like it's almost like weaving a spell, which is part of the magic, which is part of the night circus, which is part of what she's promised. Mm-hmm. And you are the front row ticket and you get the front row seat and now you get to come into the night circus and I'm going to unfail the story for you, which is what the whole thing is about. It's so fucking good. Well, it accomplishes some of the the crone things because um, you can feel the point, like the point, it is a, it is an advertisement for this book. The book is a fairly distant third. Like this is, Mm -hmm. it is fairy tale in distance, dark fairy tale in distance. Um, Yes. And it is it the the second person comes back quite a few times too in like different sections, different chapters kind of open that way or different parts. And that is something that makes me tear up because like when I got to the you part, I remember that coming back several times, and it's so pivotal to the book. Yes, like it's not it's not throwaway yeah. like you were talking about. This is yeah. a necessary opening. Yes, it has meaning. It yes. Oh, I love it. That's fine. That's fine. Okay. Um, I'm going to pick up one I haven't read yet, but it's been on my shelf forever, and I happened to glance at the first line the other day, and then this matches because I'll just read the the first couple of lines and then the last couple of lines of the first chapter so we can see. But this is uh, Iron Widow by Sharon Cho. Yes. Um, and so this is it's been sitting on y, the New York Times bestseller list for YA for, like, the better part of the last year and a half. I don't even know. <laughs> like, like, they've done so well. Um, for 18 years, my unibrow has saved me from being sold into a painful, terrifying death. Today is the day I'm releasing it from its gracious service. <laughs> I have to admit, I haven't read this one yet, but it's been, so like... So neither of us have. So let's It's like, on the top of my TBR, like, now, well, top. So I, I'm assuming that there is going to be humor. 
Yeah. I'm also assuming, and this is sci-fi, and I can tell even by the font in the cover that they're sci-fi to this, but you can, right. there's a bit of that in the voice, like this is unlikely to be, it could be fantasy, I guess, like that. Right. Cheeky, right? Um, but it's, it's funny, so I'm going to expect humor uh-huh. in this book. And it also talks about painful, terrifying death, so I'm assuming that there are probably some high stakes in this book. Then it starts, there's a line where it's like, he, he killed your sister, and that's why I'm going. And then, let's see, I'm going to be his beautiful, sultry concubine. And then I yank the hairpin apart, revealing the sharp point within. I'm going to rip his throat open in his sleep. End of first chapter. So now we know that violence is part of it. There, we know there is a boy involved, uh-huh. which is always, you know, an appeal. There is, I understand there is quite the, the romantic entanglements in this. Yes. Um, and that there's, this is the promise of the premise, too. Like, my understanding of the premise of the book is that the concubines have a role with pilots or, you know, something similar. Yes. Um, and that the main character ends up in a very complicated situation with maybe two guys, uh, which yeah. I'm here for. So we know, again, when we skip like this, we're not getting a sense of, you know, I don't know enough of the book to be able to try to guess what her misbelief is, what her lie is. We know there's a little bit about she, this is a girl who's perfectly comfortable having a unibrow up till now. And it seems like in this world, that seemed to be a useful thing. Like she was Uh not wanted Uh um, in some way. And I get a sense of her humor and her bite and her agency, yes. which is very cool. And it is leaving me asking, like, she didn't say, like, I already know right away she's about to go work for someone or be, like, connected to someone who killed someone who matters to her. Well, and I think that's the thing, too, if I'm following this, which I could be totally off, but the person that she's like, I'm going to go kill them, I'm going to go stab them, I have a feeling that that person is the person that she's going to end up, like, tied to right mm-hmm. so then in your brain so. you're like oh fuck should right. we kill this, this is, person and then you know that's not how it's gonna go right so what, what is going to happen then but rather than her first mentioning the potential love interest slash enemies to lovers component of this in chapter five or chapter seven right he, there is no waiting for it like there's clearly we have like a ferocious heroine right from the start and there's already a hint of that enemies, the cutting, sharp, yes. gritty aspect with humor of, I'm going to right. this fucking throw it out. Like, and I think the cool thing is, I love, I, I truly, truly love this because it does that th- plot thing. Even though we I haven't read the first chapter, it seems to do that plot thing where it's like, I'm not just going to start with the angst and the, I'm going to go kill this guy. We start with the unibrow and how I've had to survive and today I'm setting it free because today is the day that I start, like, you know, I continue on this master plan of becoming his concubine. And we are on the first, uh, this is the first step in this journey as it's about to get good, right? Exactly. And there's also like, there's conventional beauty standards. And my understanding is this is a book that really shatters like the patriarchy and smashes back in a lot of ways. So there's, yeah. So there's like a bit of hints of this right from the start too. Um, so if you're uncomfortable with female characters having unibrows and looking different, this probably isn't the book for you. Yeah, <laughs> right? right. And um, if it isn't the book for you because of that, go home. <laughs> go home. I'm going to do one more. I just can't help myself. Yes! It's a prologue again, too, so it's dangerous. People who know this book know the first line. The Scorpio Races. Have you read it? Oh, you really need to. You really need okay. to read it on November 1st. It is the day that everyone who loves this book rereads this book. Okay. I, it is the... F- oh God, sorry. 
No, I'm just going to put that in my calendar right now. (laughs) Nope, sorry. I'm going to stop talking. I'm putting it in my calendar right now. Thank you. It is the first day of November, and so today someone will die. Boom. Such a good first life. Right? Okay. And then it starts to describe the sea, and it describes the horses that are running on the sea. This time of year, I live and breathe the beach. My cheeks feel raw with the wind thrown sand against them. My thighs sting from the friction of the saddle. My arms ache from holding up 2,000 pounds of horse. I have forgotten what it is like to be warm and what a full night's sleep feels like and what my name sounds like spoken instead of shouted across yards of sand. I am so, so alive. And then it heads down and it ends up, this is one of those that, um, I won't give it away because it's so fucking brilliant, but this is a microcosm. This tells a story of this moment he's at the beach now, and it continues. His name gets called, he goes with his father, and the Scorpio races happen. This is this prologue is nine years earlier from when the book starts, but it's with one of the main characters, and we get a taste of what his emotional wound is in the prologue. Okay. And so we see what he's wanting for later, and we get a sense of his grit, and we get a sense of the things that are going to help him survive. Yeah. Um, and then the next chapter one actually starts with the female main character, Uh, And it's sort of the same. It's not as her voice is very different. People say my brothers would be lost without me, but really I'd be lost without them. Uh Usually if you ask someone on the island where they come from, they'll say things like blah, 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 but not me. Uh, She's from the Connolly house is where it eventually I'm like, you know, paraphrasing. But and so it shows you like this is a very different narrative, but we know her family is very important to her and that Mm -hmm. she defines herself and her worth around her family in a way. Yeah. And she is the sister of many brothers in this family. Okay. And so we know what she has to lose and what's going to thrust her into the action of the story. It's probably something with her family in need. Right. And we learn she's poor right away. Yeah. Um, so we okay. know there are these big races that are extremely dangerous and people uh-huh. do it because there's money involved. And then we meet a poor girl who is the youngest in the family who might need some money. Right. Which is interesting because if you use the pro... like. I'm just thinking about how we use the prologue to set that up. So then by the time we get to her, it's like, oh, shit. Yep. And the prologue is beautiful. Like, it really is one of those, like, beautiful ones. And it does serve a purpose to the story. It tells us information we need to understand the rest of the story. Like, something happens in the prologue that is crucial to the rest of the story. Wow. But it's a good advertisement because it is, the tone is consistent with the, this is a book that's about, it's not like a, action-packed it's truly like it has action it has this race the race doesn't happen until close to the end of the book it is really a character like a poetic character driven story about loving your island and fighting for who like certain things and like it's about values it's about it's okay like he is in the prologue he is like his feet are in the sand and his cheeks are I, stinging and he's so so like he loves this. I he was about to say places. then yeah. opening with the setting is not like is necessary. It's right. like the night circus, right? Where yes. you have to open up with the setting because that is what this book is really about. It's a harsh setting and it's dangerous and it's cold and it's the beach and he is so alive when he's there. And this is yeah. the story of two characters who love their land. And this is, these aren't people trying to change the world or get out of this poor town kind of thing. These yeah. are people who love. It's a story of two people wow. who love where they're from. They love the land. I love yeah. that. And so it's a celebration of that. And the, the cruelty of it is still there. Like from the Man, and I think that's... Ugh. 
That's that promise of the premise of like that promise of I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to do this intentionally and I'm not going to waste your time. Uh, Yep. I'm not going to waste your time. And if you don't like the tone of this, like we've done punchy ones today, we've done poetic ones and like the punchy ones are for punchy books. Yep. They're fast page toners. The poetic ones like Night Circus is slower. It's also slower. It's a very slow chew on it. Exactly. Read. And so, and I, Scorpio races is somewhere in between, but it's, it's on the slower side, I'd say. Right. And, and it does it. really well yeah. by not like, you know, I think the Hunger Games chapter one, it's been said time <laughs> and time again, that's the most studied like chapter one. It's the like, quote unquote, greatest example of a chapter one for a YA novel, but like. Very formulaic as, and I mean, that is the utmost compliment. It yeah, absolutely. From the formula and the formula slaps. Exactly. <laughs> it works. It works beautifully. But. I like that we chose these because they show different ways to kind of break that formula or to break that formula intentionally. Yes. With intention. Should we, should we craft corners? Craft. Or should we just forever keep reading first chapters? I would love to keep reading first chapters. It's one (laughs) of my favorite things in the world. Craft Um, corner, craft corner, craft corner, craft corner. Somebody design us a jingle, please, that is craft corner. And I will put it in this episode. Uh, This is the the jingle of a killer, Anna. This is the (laughs) jingle. See, when you laugh silently, I'm going to worry people think that you don't think I'm funny. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. You're I'm going to leave that awkward pause in there so people think Anna had enough of that. But actually, Anna's over here crying. <laughs> okay. Hold, in, hold on tight there, Spider Monkey. It's Craft Corner. Um, I wanted to sneak that one in there somewhere in this episode. Uh, I stole Craft Corner from you last time, I think. Mm-hmm. I was a dirty, rotten Craft Corner stealer. At some point, I was. So I'm going to let you go first on Craft Corner if you have uh. something. Sure. Or do you want me to go for a Suncraft Corner? Do you have something? Well, you have something waiting. You have yeah, something I do. Waiting, so All right. So it. here's yeah. the thing. Wait no longer, person. Promise of the premise. We're here. So the thing that I learned from emotional craft of fiction is be it's what you've talked about. Be obvious and tell readers what to feel and they won't feel it. Ooh. Light an unexpected match, though, and readers will ignite their own feelings. So it's that's that, a much better way of saying what I've been regurgitating. No, yeah. but that's like that specific quote makes like in my uh, in my dreams I hold a knife, right? Mm-hmm. The ignite an unexpected like light an unexpected match, and readers will ignite their own feelings. The unexpected match is her looking in the mirror with this absolute fucking arrogance after receiving an invitation to her reunion in which her roommate died that is and then the other match that's ignited is the finally it's time to go Mm -hmm. back right like at long last that's the unexpected match I, i you don't expect anybody to act that way in this situation and yet here she is um it's that who hurt you who hurt you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it gives you the, she did not tell you, like, 
people have kicked me and that's why I am the way I am. Or, and, but part of you, that emotional match is also like, who the fuck are you? Right. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's all. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're awful. You're an awful human being and I can't wait to watch you. But I can't look away too. Oddly, I resonate with some of this. (laughs) Like, I don't like it, but I have to keep going. Exactly. And it's up to you. Like, I think that's the thing that I have learned is to pull way back, pull way back on these big emotions and just like, Right. Story isn't telling someone how to feel about something. Story is phrasing things in a very strategic way to make someone, to elicit feeling. That's story. Yes. So story, yeah, I want to like repeat it, but better. Like when we're telling a story, we don't tell someone how to feel or what their characters are feeling, et right. cetera. When we tell a good story, we are making people feel. We are yes. purposefully making them feel. And it's not through our descriptions of emotion. Exactly. We are letting them elicit their own response to it. And every response is different. And, and that's so okay. It's so hard to do. It's, it's really so, so hard to do. You want to every write Every time I think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Every time I think about it, I have like a mild panic attack. Because it's like, <laughs> that's a level I will never get to. <laughs> like, good thing I'm starting over. Here's right. another try to get right. right. <laughs> Line edits. Here we go. You will be Time fine. to elicit some emotions real good. You will be fine. It'll be fine. But that's my craft corner. It blew my mind, and it's giving me a lot to chew on. I love that. I really love that. <laughs> um, what I did was I wrote in the, in the top of my outline, which I think could also serve as a post-it or any reminder for when you're thinking about your story and working on your story. Um, JLB, which I think we could do a whole episode on, and maybe one day we will, but she talks about like different touchstones of like the human experience that draw us to story. And those, the ones that she mentions, I've rephrased to be all the same tense because I'm weird, but danger, power, wealth, beauty, competition, and like touch, like physical contact. And these are elements just in general that people are drawn to. And like, if you think of very successful commercial fiction, they usually will have a couple of these tangible. The Hunger Games is danger, power, wealth, (laughs) in terms of like, you know, the capital, et cetera, and beauty in terms of, in some ways, the capital alone is a little wow. bit grotesque. Competition. And there's also these moments, like, of, of touch. Like, characters touch. Wow. So as I'm redoing shit, I am keeping that to the top. And not like every, it's not, a, I go over that, it can't be every chapter, can't have all six of these things salient. But just remembering that these are touchstones of, like, unconscious human experience that people who are drawn to fiction enjoy. Holy shit. I'm going to write those down and I'm going to keep those forever. Yeah. Uh, kudos to um, Tori Cox for. Um, that's that thing I have to listen to. Yeah. It's the thing we have to listen to. That's okay. I'm going to listen. That's yeah. what I'm going to do a, tomorrow. It's a JLB lecture. Okay. Because um, that's so amazing. Can read three of her books and then listen to her work and pretend to be her best friend. And then <laughs> her, her really best friend because you read literally one tenth of. Uh, <laughs> like a fair oh, weather fan I'm like oh you hit the list let me read your books you're right <laughs> you you're won that, the world series you're that go. i was gonna say you're the patriots bandwagon fan or whatever you're like go pats and people are like what the fuck <laughs> one no two i had a, a new york nick starter jacket don't worry <laughs> i'm a real fan <laughs> Hey, thanks for listening.
listening to another episode of Turning to Story. Remember, you can reach out to us with questions via our Instagram or our Gmail. It's turning to story on all platforms. Um, It's at Gmail. I'll link it in the show notes. And we'll see you next week for our episode on romance arcs. Woo!